for right now. Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. <laughs> good morning, Sandy. <laughs> oh, yeah, good morning. Oh, wait, what do you being got a trickster this morning. Oh, oh, we're just being, we're just being silly. So I would assume that, uh, that this uh, accident alert. There's one by, uh, there's one by, 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 by Postulas. Yeah. yeah. What's, What's that? They like overturned. Oh, really? Yep. We just wow. posted that not too long ago. I'm looking at it right now. Everybody okay? Or uh, as far as we know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. What is it about the roundabout that makes cars flip? It's because they drive too fast around it. Because they don't realize that there's a turn after coming down a long stretch of road. Well, they should know that. It's a roundabout. It's not really that hard. It's just they continue to go as fast as possible. And it looks like, is the road a little wet over there too? I can't tell. Yeah, I mean, this is a little bit further up, but that little, right around the Kashi area. They didn't even get to the roundabout before they flipped. Yes, seems to be, um, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. People just driving slow too down, fast. Slow down, folks. I think I think that's the issue, really, is you just need to slow down. Yep, they swerve in and out of traffic. Um, they don't pay attention. Yeah. And then they... traffic, you shouldn't be going that fast, really. But no. there you have it. So in news headlines... I'd learn them. Uh, yeah. Probably not. We are sad to announce that Miss um, Sybil McLaughlin, who's national hero here in the Cayman Islands, has passed away. Oh. There will be, yeah, there will be an official funeral for Miss Sybil. She was 93 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah, a lot of us, um, you know, have so many amazing fond memories of her, conversations with her, and she will surely be missed. What a um, long life. That's lovely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, we actually got the news yesterday morning during her program that she had passed away. Oh. Um, so bless her little heart. Um, but she's not the only one who has passed away of note, uh, lately. Um, Mr. Miller, Mr. Arlie Miller is the last surviving vestryman and he has passed away as well. So back in the day, uh, before there was the, um, legislative assembly, it was called the assembly of justices and vestry. So that was the original legislative body, and that eventually transitioned into the Legislative Assembly in 1959, and now it's the House of Parliament. So he's the last one from um, that transition, 1959, that was still alive, and he has now passed away as well. Oh, wow. So condolences to the family um, of both of those um, iconic Caymanians. Uh, you know yeah. how old he was? Um, we didn't have an age for him, but I kind of feel like he was probably in his 90s as well. But yeah, I, I don't see that we had an age for him. I would like to know what they attribute their long lives to. What, mm -hmm. what did they What did they eat? What did they drink? What did they do? Yeah, we've interviewed a centurion before, and she basically um, said, the box tail. Um, "Putting putting God first and um, socializing a lot. Like she has a really good social network. As a senior citizen, she still plays bingo and she gets out and walks you know, around, tries yeah. to." She's very active, yeah. so um, having an active life and and uh, you know spirituality, and nice. a shot of whiskey every morning. <laughs> Betty White. She did <laughs> not say that, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> and George Burns was drinking a beer and eating bacon every day. Or something. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. So, a police officer uh, was convicted yesterday, along with a companion of his, who uh, they're both civil servants, and they were convicted of a sexual assault. 
What? So, yeah, this was quite an interesting case, but he was arrested along with this lady last year. And um, they claimed that it was a consensual threesome. And the um, complainant said it was not, and she was a victim. And so, um, yeah, a jury convicted them of count two. There was actually two counts. The first count was just against him. And then the second count was against both of them. And they were convicted of the second count, which, wow. um, yeah, indecent assault. So kind of crazy. Mm. So is they're that, having a special that, hearing today um, to figure out their bail conditions. Does that, uh, does that garner prison time, perhaps? Or oh, no? Most likely. Oh, wow. Hmm. Mm. It would be un highly unusual if they're not sent to prison. Alrighty then. Mm -hmm. um, although it's a first offense for both, it's quite a quite a serious situation. All right, um, Shane, we're gonna yeah. let you you gotta awesome. get on Bobo eighty nine point one FM. I know we came to just a little bit late this morning, so we absolutely let, have a good day, guys. Go, and right. we'll see Bye. you tomorrow. Alrighty. All right, folks, gotta get on it. Do, 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 do. Hold on, hold on. All right, folks. Bobo. Good morning, everybody. Do, do, do. Hold on, hold on. Sorrel, ginger, beaver grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey child. On the cold hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays, Caribbean Connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea. What a mess. Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill. Good morning, everyone. Happy Hump Day Wednesday. As you guys heard, um, there has been an accident this morning uh, in the vicinity of the um, Esterly Tibis Highway behind Kashi Less off of Lime Tree. I think it's called Lime Tree Bay. So, folks, please be careful if you're in that area. You will definitely be experiencing, um, you know, some uh, delays. The traffic is already backed up. Of course, it's morning traffic, so you know that uh, naturally it would be uh, a little bit tight in any event. Not quite sure how this accident happened. I cannot explain the crazy driving in the Cayman Islands. I can only tell you that uh, it has happened. And encourage everyone to please slow down. It can't be that serious. Like, I don't know where you're going so early in the mornings, midday, all, all hours of the day that you have to speed and drive recklessly. But I implore you, it never seems to get you very far. And instead, you know, you end up getting in trouble. So take your time, folks. I'm going to show you guys some footage here of the accident. The vehicle has turned completely over on its side. And so um, what a situation. Uh, someone else sent footage from, I believe that might have been late yesterday, uh, of a uh, one of those dump trucks, like driving like a bat out of hell 
don't know where they were going, but they seem to have been in a hurry to get nowhere, um, crossing multiple vehicles at the same time. And this person is just like, where are they going? Seriously. It's just uh, so crazy because if you get there two minutes early, whoop-de-doo, you know, it's like, what's the big deal? But look at look at this overturned vehicle this morning, folks. Again, if you're um, heading uh, into West Bay, um, or I guess even trying to come up. That, it looks like an SUV. Because that's on a straightaway. That's not even the roundabout yet. Like, honestly, you haven't reached the roundabout. So uh, kind of crazy, but take your time. So good morning, everyone. Hopefully um, you guys are A-okay. We got a slew of guests, guests coming in to the show this morning. So some good conversations to be had. So first of all, um, we're going to have a child expert. You guys are going to love this. I know we always have a debate about if you spare the rod, do you spoil a child? Well, we've got an expert who's going to tell us all about it this morning. Uh, quite, quite interesting um, indeed. So we're excited to have uh, that person come on the program. And then after that, we're going to enjoy a little bit of music. Imagine that. We have a concert, Jazz Under the Sky, that's coming out here in the Cayman Islands. And uh, the performers for that um, are going to be joining us and giving us a little bit of music to enjoy this morning. I must tell you, they're actually quite good. So I'm looking forward to that. And then after that, we got an MP. Remember it is, after all, today is Wednesday. So it is Impact Wednesday where we invite all members of the government to come on the program and to tell us what they've been up to. So this morning we have live and direct, none other than Miss Sabrina Turner. So she's gonna be joining us as well. So we are uh, really, really looking forward to that. So how how exciting, right? Um, so yeah, we've got a full day of guests. Yesterday's show was quite interesting. It ended um, with a discussion on uh, Badabanu, and we had some persons who were saying that they actually wanted to um, come on the program to discuss it a bit more. Well, today is full, but I must say that, um, you know, Listen, it's uh, it's one of those things where there seems to be something that needs to be done, and I hope the organizers were paying attention and uh, they can kind of sort it out because I have yet to find one person who really said um, it lived up to their expectations, which I think is problematic. So don't forget, folks, that you can call into the program at any time. 936-2626 is a telephone number. We've had our contacts from BVI updating us that they're going to be continuing to protest in that jurisdiction. And it uh, sounds very, very interesting. So from what I've been able to garnish, the UK has not yet made a decision 
and what will happen to the government there. So the government isn't yet uh, suspended or the constitutional order has not been suspended and they are awaiting um, a decision. And in the interim, they're saying, listen, um, you know, they want to ensure that their voices are being heard. So the protest continues. So I will uh, certainly abreast you guys of anything as soon as we know more. Hmm. So yeah, very, very uh, fascinating folks. Um, so we're just going to spend a little time saying good morning to everyone while we wait in our guests. They're going to be here about 7.45. So in the interim, we won't get into any deep conversations until then. Although sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we jump right in. Okay, so who do we have on the live stream this morning? We have got, joining us, Louis from Detroit. Irvlin out of the barn first. Virtuous Paduk is here. Uh, Louis says, good morning to the CMR Massive. We're here at our meeting place, like fam. Good stuff. Yeah, this is CMR fam. And he's having some Lipton tea in his CMR mug. So folks, next month, I cannot believe it, the end of the month is going to be our five-year anniversary here at Cayman Mall Road, where it all got started. So we'll take a little trip down memory lane. Of course, we'll have um, some trivia questions and some good away giveaways, sorry, some goodies to give away, um, which means that, you know, we need to get some more merchandise here. But uh, if you've been a fan of the program for a while, you know that we've had the pocket sockets for your phones. We've had coffee mugs, tea mugs. And those were a real hit. They, they didn't last uh, very, very long. Um, I think I have a handful left that I've been holding for people because there's a few people who still um, are supposed to get those. But yes, uh, they were a hit. So they made it all the way, all over the world. So I know that um, Louis has his in Detroit. We've got people in New York that has. They, they, the mugs even made it all the way to the UK because we had fans in the UK who was like, hey, I need a mug. Um, and then where else? Um, Marshall has got his in North Carolina. So good morning to Vanessa. Good to see you. Felicia's here. Uh, Omeria is also here saying good morning to everyone. Says it's a beautiful day once again. And she is also sipping her tea. So we bring you the tea. Hot, piping, steamy, hot. Uh, any kind of tea. Melita, Olivia is also joining us. Um, yeah, Louis says, where are people going? They need to slow down. I don't know, honey chill. Going nowhere in a hurry. Good morning to Ms. Beulah. Good morning to Scott. Woohoo! Scott, I wish I could have one of those fresh donuts right now from Waffle Monkey. They make donuts fresh every single day, and they are amazing. Um, you can't have one every day because it's not diet friendly, but hey, once a week is <laughs> okay. And then the sausage rolls are likewise amazing. Um, can I tell you a little thing about the sausage rolls? You know, sometimes you have a party. You have a little get together with your friends and uh, you don't feel like cooking every single thing on the menu. So you're going to make a few hors d'oeuvres and you make a few things. And then sometimes you want to order something. Well, those sausage rolls are the perfect order item. Call up the guys over at Waffle Monkey and say, hey, I want an order of 15, 20 sausage rolls. And they're really big. So you can actually um, cut them in half and make them even smaller so that everyone gets a bite size instead of a full you know, mouthful. <laughs> and so, yeah, just cut it in half, make it bite-sized, arrange it nicely on your platter. How many of you tell the truth? Like when you order certain 
dishes and you didn't cook it and people love it, are you going to be like, yeah, I ordered those in Waffle Monkey or are you going to take credit? You'd be like, hmm, thank you. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. So you might not come right out and say, um, you know, I didn't cook it, but you know, you're also not really, you're going to take credit by just saying thank you. Well, take the credit because you're smart. <laughs> if you call Waffle Monkeys and say, hey, let me get some of those sausage rolls that Sandy's always talking about. I did that for Christmas. I had some at my, uh, my Christmas day brunch and they were delicious. People enjoyed it. And you know what it was really good with? Oh my gosh. Some people just put it on the plate with a little bit of mac and cheese or plantain. And it was like off the chain good. Anyway, you guys know me and my food memories as, as my aunt Adonia would say, she's like, girl, you having food memories again? I say, yep. Love me some food. Lewis, good morning. Lady uh, D. Demas, uh, good morning to you. She says, blessings. Love you always. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Miss Bonnie joining us in East End. So yesterday we announced um, towards the tail end of the show, we were getting messages during the show that Miss Sybil McLaughlin had passed away. And of course, I wanted to wait after the first message came in because you guys know we don't want to be killing anybody off unintentionally. Um, so we did want to wait until we got additional confirmation and within short order, we were able to tell you towards the end of the program that indeed, um, Ms. Sybil had passed away. So our condolences to the family of Ms. Sybil McLaughlin. Uh, everybody knows her. She's a national hero and she will have, um, a state funeral. So we look forward to that, um, as well. The government has announced that it will be a state funeral. So um, the age of 93, what an amazing life she has lived, born on the 24th of August, 1928 in Mobile, Alabama. Um, after her father's death, she came to the Cayman Islands with her mother, sister, and brother when she was just two years old. She's an MBE and JP. And she spent some time in Nicaragua with her aunt before returning to the Cayman Islands and attending the only government school in Georgetown. She later returned to Nicaragua and attended the Baptist College in Managua. She's fluent in Spanish and completed a commercial course. In 1945, she returned <clears throat> to the Cayman Islands where she worked in the commissioner's office as a clerk and typist. And then she worked with um, the clerk of the Legislative Assembly of Justices and Vestry is what, is what it was called at the time. Mr. Ernest O. Panton typing bills and other documents for the assembly. In 1949, she married police sergeant Delworth McLaughlin of East End, and he predeceased her in 1987. They have two sons, Christopher and Gordon. And in 1959, the islands received its first written constitution. Ms. McLaughlin was appointed as the first clerk of that body. And she was also the clerk of the executive council, which is now cabinet. So lots of amazing history um, and very, very interesting things about Miss Sybil. She served a six-month attachment to the House of Commons in London. Um, she went to Northern Ireland to their parliament in 1966. And she also did an attachment to the parliaments of Grenada and Trinidad and Tobago in 1971. So this is how folks back in the day, they got the experience that they needed, right? Because Cayman was still uh, pretty, you know, in its infancy in terms of a lot of things constitutionally and legislative assembly and trying to get all that sorted out. And so, yeah, she um, did the requisite training by going overseas. 
So she became the first secretary to the Cayman Islands branch of the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association from 1965 to 1984. And um, amazing, amazing, amazing. She actually was appointed as the first speaker of the Legislative Assembly on the 15th of February, 1991. So just absolutely amazing history. I've met Ms. Symbol on a number of occasions, always a very dignified um, lady. And we are so sorry to hear of her passing at the age of 93. She was also an organist and a teacher in her church and her son, um, Sunday school class, which she enjoyed for many, many years. So um, our condolences to her sons and, and their families. And uh, Kiman has really lost a true icon. So yesterday, ironically, after hearing that sad news, I was um, on my way <clears throat> to interview Mr. Norman Bodden. And as you guys know, Mr. Norman has written a book recently. I've not yet had an opportunity to read the book, but um, his daughter, KK, has promised me a copy. So I'm anxiously waiting to receive that. But yeah, it's uh, his life is also super, super amazing. I had a wonderful interview. And you know, if you've been listening to this program for a while, folks, you know that my desire to capture that part of our history is um, extremely um, strong. And it's, it's reinforced. Every time we lose someone, it's reinforced uh, even more. Why, especially for people in you know, their 80s and 90s and even 70s, uh, we've got to capture that oral history of our people. It's it's just really, really important. So um, I've been talking about it for, I feel like, years now, literally. And so yesterday I got around to doing an interview with Mr. Bodden. And, you know, there's more to come. So I'm, I'm quickly upping the ante in terms of my timeline. And I'm reaching out to you all. I've got a list. A lot of people have made recommendations of who to interview. And if you're, if you're thinking of anyone that maybe I haven't thought of, you know, uh, we've got the Mary Lawrences of the world and so on. But if you've thought of someone that I haven't thought of, uh, please just message and I will add them to the list. I just need contact information. I know because a lot of them are senior individuals, sometimes we need to obviously speak to their children and have their children arrange it. And, you know, I, I know when you're in your 70s, 80s, and 90s, not every day you feel like sitting down and having an hour-long interview. So we will work with their schedule as much as possible. And the days that they feel up to it, you know, we will um, accommodate that. So that's what we did yesterday. And wow, Mr. Norman is, oh my gosh, so interesting. I just love listening to these stories. And he had, when we air it, I will let you guys know, because he had a little interesting tidbit about um, the, um, he had a little interesting tidbit about the Marl Road, right? And he had a little joke in there. So you got to make sure that you tune in to hear that. So yeah, super, super interesting. And uh, originally we were calling it just, um, you know, um, we were calling it just conversations with, but I think I'm going to change the name to um, Cayman Icons, you know, because I think that is so, so befitting. So someone is saying Miss Georgette. Um, I had reached out. I, I don't know how well Miss Georgette is. I think she might actually... Um, I don't know how much talking at this particular time she can do, but yes, definitely Miss Georgette. We had reached out to her family. I want to say we had called them 
at least over a year ago about this. And so I know that sometimes it takes a little bit of time, <clears throat> but definitely folks, um, you know, please reach out. Um, yeah. So listen, um, a bit of interesting information while we wait on our guests. So you guys know that yesterday there was a conviction. It was up on, on CMR yesterday afternoon. This police officer has been convicted of indecent assault. Not just he's an officer and then his companion. And someone said to me that the two have actually gotten married because he's from, is it Barbados? But I'm hearing the two have now gotten married so that he can stay here. I hope that isn't true. But who knows? You know, people are always looking for a way. What do they say? Where there's a will, there's a way. And let me tell you, oftentimes there's a will to stay in this jurisdiction at any cost. Um, so someone said the two of them have gotten married. I don't know. This would be another marriage of convenience without a doubt. But anyway, very, very interesting case. I'm going to tell you guys why. Because this guy um, and this lady, if we can call them that, they were involved in this situation. Now, of course, their defense is it was a consensual situation. It was a threesome, basically, is what they were alleging. The victim, not so much so. Apparently, she was so traumatized that the way that she went about reporting it initially is she just went to um, a police officer who was a friend. And so it became very, very interesting that, oh, if someone comes to me as a friend and I'm a police officer and they report a crime, what do I do? Well, you have a legal obligation to actually report it. Number one, he was in uniform when it was reported. But even I think even if you're not in uniform, you still have a legal obligation to um, encourage the right thing to be done by the law. So what ended up happening, my sources have shared, and this, was, this actually came out in live testimony, is that the professional standards unit got involved and um, the professional standard unit meant that, um, you know, they, um, they, they were, I'm, I'm sure, quite shocked at the allegation, but they encouraged the victim to go through the process of filing an official police report. So, folks, if you are a victim, there are things that you have to do. You know, no one else can do certain things for you. So you have to, as the complainant, you have to take certain steps to um, formalize your complaint with the authorities and give a statement so that they can then start an investigation. So the uh, man in this photo, his name is um, Antonio O'Neill Marshall, and her name is Erica McFarlane Lynch. So he works as part of the firearms response unit, go figure, at the RCIPS. And um, she was working with the works department, you know, where they process your immigration stuff. And so, I don't know, they were up to some threesome business. And uh, the victim says that she was assaulted. So they were facing two counts. Uh, the first one was, um, whenever I use this term, people are confused by what it means. So this is an adult conversation here, folks. I suppose if kids are listening, turn it down for a second. But the first count is what's called... Um, 
child. Sometimes, sometimes I hear these things and I don't even know what to call it. So it's an assault by penetration, but more specifically, it was digital penetration. The last time we posted something about this, people were like, what the heck does that mean? Fingers. That's all I'm going to say. Figure it out. Um, so that was denied. That particular count was just against him alone. And he denied that. So he was actually acquitted on that one. But on the second one of indecent assault, um, which was oral engagement, uh, that one was, um, they were found guilty. So both of them are facing count two charges and they were found guilty on that one. What a mess. I, I, I don't even know what to say. It's just bizarre, you know? Um, I, I, I don't know. Mm -mm. You just gotta, you gotta make sure folks that you, uh, you know, people want to be in adult situations and you have to make sure that all people are willing participants. And it's very, very clear. There's no room for misinformation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, today um, they're going to have um, a bail hearing because they are still on bail. And of course, they're still employed by the Cayman Islands government. So I suppose now that this conviction has come down, they might be looking at uh, no longer being employed. So KK says that we need some shirts, some merchandise. Louie, you don't have a sign mug. Oh, gosh. Well, next time someone is heading up to Detroit, let me know. Good morning, Miss uh, Romelia, joining us in Windsor Park. Louie. Uh, buenos dias to Miss Alba. Robert is here. Uh, Cecil says, good morning, Sandy. Um, this driving thing is really not good. Yeah, you know what? Um, Cecile, sorry. People just don't know how to drive. I'm going to be quite frank and honest with you. And that is why, also let me be quite frank and honest with you. If you get in a car accident, what you need to do is contact people who are experts and who can help you. Because I find that a lot of times you do not know what to do, especially if you're not at fault. And certain situations, uh, folks will trip you up and you'll end up making an incorrect move. So that's why the experts over at uh, Recover Cayman, they're the ones to talk to. They're part of the Broadhurst Law Firm contingency. And um, they, are, they have over 50 years plus of experience dealing with personal injury. So give them a call. Don't, don't mess around with this because next thing you know, right, you're in an accident. Um, some injuries are not always as obvious initially. And then you end up years paying for this out of your own pocket and having injuries that are not even covered. I got a guy, Junior, he does some work for me on occasion. He's like in the um, electronics, like he does car installations, alarm systems and that sort of thing with vehicles. And he was in a car accident. Gosh, I feel like it's been over a year now. And, you know, he is still having pain and slow days. He says, Sandy, I'm just not, some days I just can't be a hundred percent because of this car accident. Like I'm still impacted by it. I was like, wow, it was that serious. So call the experts over at Recover. Recover personal injury attorneys, helping injured people get what they deserve. 
Did you know that insurance companies have lawyers that represent their interests? Before signing and accepting any settlement, know your rights. Call us today for a free consultation at 924-9999. That's 924-9999. Recover. Your personal injury attorneys are on standby to assist. So, yeah, folks, you, you need the experts to help you when you find yourselves in uh, these types of situations. Um, Marshall is saying, what happened to CMR and Facebook? I don't know what's happening. We should be on Facebook. I see 155 people on there. Um, so we should be good. So it looks like our guests are late this morning. I'm not sure what's going on. Let me just have a look here. Uh, yes, because we got other guests coming on at 8.30. So maybe she forgot about us. No. All right. Well, we shall continue the conversation in the interim. 936-2626 is the number. By the way, uh, morning, Richard. Uh, Jose is here. Buenos dias, Chantel. Let me just say that um, one thing I'd like to clarify with our icons in Cayman is for me, people are like secret icons. So it doesn't have to be oh, this person was a political leader or they got a bill passed or they did all this amazing stuff. People, ordinary people do amazing stuff every single day. And this is really about, so I don't want the term icon to like mislead people because I think some people might be shy to like, oh, well, was this person an icon? Define it very, very broadly. Um, because I think that, you know, all of our um, elderly um, in that age group who made any sort of contribution, whether it was in the household, like yesterday I was sitting there interviewing um, Mr. Bodden, and of course it was occurring to me that his lovely wife, Miss Virginia, also needs to be interviewed because he would never have been the success story that he was and able to accomplish all of the things that he did and his children to be able to accomplish all the things that they did if they did not have Miss Virginia there in the household, managing and running the household, raising her children. And so it's a super um, interesting story, but yeah, I mean, don't define it too narrowly. You know what I mean? Miss Alrita, she's on my list. You know, Miss Alrita is an amazing Georgetowner uh, in her eighties now. And she's one of those people that I likewise need to interview. So Kimmy says that there's no power in West Bay. Do I know what's going on? Well. I'm wondering if that, would that accident have been close enough to central West Bay to cause a power outage? Well, let me see if I can find out. How many people, um, uh, how many people were without power? Let's check it out. So great thing about CUC folks is they have this outage map that you can check out. It's like real time and it tells you where there's no power. So right now, hmm. Hold on now, let me see if I'm looking at the right map. Um, this one doesn't show any outages, so hold on. Mm. Making sure that I check it. So, I don't show any outages. Kimmy, are you sure it's not just your house? Because according to their outage map, there are zero outages right now. You might have something localized um, that's going on. So check your neighbors. Who else does this? Whenever the power goes out at your house, especially at night, do you go outside and look across the street to see if the neighbor has power? <laughs> Just to make sure you're like, is it me or is it everyone? Mm -mm. 
Yeah, Jeffrey, we're not going to go too deep into the details of that case. But the one thing I do want to say is in the middle of the trial, when the victim had taken the stand, lawyers were messaging me, Sandy, did you hear that the victim is refusing to continue to testify because of the way that she's been treated on the stand? And this concerned me a lot. Makes me uncomfortable when I hear that. Because a certain attorney was going really, really hard at her in such a way that the victim was left traumatized and crying and they had to take a break. And um, she had threatened not to continue with her testimony. Now, I think Cayman is a little bit slacker with some of these things, but I can tell you that in certain jurisdictions, you cannot ask the victim certain things. Anything remotely that sounds like um, victim blaming, whether it's, oh, what were you wearing? You know, your sexual history, like all those things. In most modern jurisdictions, you're not allowed to ask those questions because let me be very, very frank. Someone could be a prostitute and be a, a victim of sexual assault. So what they do for a living, what, you know, what they're wearing, none of that has anything to do with consent in the moment, right? She could have just had a sex campaign with 50 people and here you come as 50, number 51. That what just preceded you doesn't give you a right. So if she says no, it's no. And some of the comments I must tell you that I saw on social media in relation to this case, when it went out, one person says, oh, I don't believe the victim. Uh, some guy named Ray King, um, he says that he doesn't believe the victim. That's if she is. And how she's always had a problem with man if she doesn't get her way, check her history, blah, blah, blah. You weren't there, Ray King. And not only were you not there, but you also didn't bother to go to the trial and sit down during the trial and hear all the evidence. So a jury of her peers and of the peers of the people accused believed her. So um, he's talking about he can't believe the accusations. And then he had the audacity to say, but sad if it's true, and why her picture is not up as well. Ray King, uh, excuse me, what, what kind of funny business are you smoking on a regular? You want the photo of a victim to be posted? You must be crazy. Boy, we have a long ways to go with certain things. I must tell you, I am oftentimes so disturbed when I see comments and I hear things. I just, I don't know what to say. It's disgusting. And it really demonstrates that we have a long way to go. You think that someone has been victimized. So he says he doesn't believe her. And then kind of towards the end, he's like, well, if, if it's true, it's sad. Really? But then why isn't her photo up? Mm -mm. You need to get it together. Good morning, Quincy. Joining us from Cayman Brack. Uh, Emma says the link in Facebook didn't come up. Just pull it up um, from your history. Hmm. That's strange. Um, I did see a message this morning that I needed to reconnect to Facebook. So maybe that's that's what it was. Um, temperamental Facebook. Oh, Carol is in the UK. Oh, Carol, I miss you already. So Luis is down Birch Street Hill. He has power. Richard has power in West Bay. 
Um, Celine says it's off on Town Hall Road area and Watercourse Road. Okay. Well, the outage map, let me refresh it again. Um, yes, the outage map just got updated and it claims that there's one outage affecting 1,906 customers. There you go. We had it before the outage map had it. Huh, what a mess. So about 1,900 customers this morning in West Bay without power. Wow, that's a very dense area uh, of West Bay for sure. Hang tight. Um, I'm sure CUC knows what's going on. Let me see if I can find out what's going on for you. I think that that's too... Um, that's too that's too deep in West Bay for it to be related to that car accident. Like the two cannot be related. So let me see if we can find out what's going on. Good morning to the beautiful Miss Iva. How is our mango tree going? <laughs> you know, she has a beautiful mango tree that has how many varieties of mangoes on it? Like three or four. It's one of those anomalies of nature where it actually um, uh, grafted itself into different types of mangoes. So the, the one tree bears like three or four different mango types. Amazing. So Liberties in West Bay has power. So, yep, a couple people don't have it. Um, 1,900 people. KK says that'll learn her to behave herself. Mm. You know, people sometimes have a reputation that precedes them. And it's sad when you hear about police officers being engaged in this kind of behavior because um, sometimes people are just freaks. Let's just call it what it is. Like sexually, they're into all sorts of things, right? And I suppose as long as you engage in that with consenting adults, you can be on the freaky side, whatever. But um, there are a lot of women, when you listen to them very, very carefully, they'll be like, oh, don't, you know, don't talk to that guy. Don't go out with him. And they won't, they won't exactly tell you why, but there's a story there. Uh, somebody was saying to me yesterday, like a lot of these police officers love to live in the gym because that's how they meet certain women. That's like their, um, their hunting ground is in the gym and they all walk around strutting their stuff and, and pretending that they are um, experts in the gym. Oh, I'll help you. I'm a personal trainer on the side of being like being a police officer and the FRU isn't enough. Oh, I'm, I'm a personal trainer. I'll come and help you work out. And there's only one kind of working out they have in their minds. And so, you know, you, you just have to be careful, ladies and gentlemen. I suppose there are female predators out there, too. Um, take, take your time getting to know people and don't just jump into situations. So, you know, that, that's just a, a word of warning generally. There's a lot going on out there, folks. Good morning, Robert. I've not seen you in a minute. Um, so Quincy says, one does not have to be born in the Cayman Islands to be a national hero. Well, listen, one does not have to be born in the Cayman Islands to be a Caymanian. So there you go. <laughs> uh, Miss Sybil was obviously a Caymanian. And back in those days, folks, you were born abroad for different reasons. You know, Cayman Islands wasn't what it is today. And so sometimes um, it was medical reasons. Sometimes families located to just try to earn a living and to pay, you know, the bills. Um, again, when I air the interview, I want you guys to make sure that you listen very, very carefully to what Mr. Norman had to say about how in those days people made a living. And he talked about his mom who was handicapped and the things that, you know, she did uh, very, very humbly. They came from a humble, poor background um, to make a few shillings just to be able to put food on the table. 
So yes, Quincy, there would be a lot of Caymanians who were not born in the Cayman Islands for a variety of different reasons. Uh, even Kurt Tibbetts, you know, there's a lot of people um, like that who, you know, had their parents had, their mother might've had a difficult pregnancy. And so because they were high risk babies, they were born overseas in Jamaica. So Kurt Tibbetts was born in Jamaica. There's a lot of Caymanians who you, when you find out uh, their personal history, you'll see that they were born overseas. So Miss Iva says four different kinds, Sandy. I need to get back to um, pick them because I'm still recovering. No, no, no. You take your time, girl. You don't worry. But yes, one mango tree bears four different types of mangoes. Isn't that amazing? So KK says these officers are all gym freaks since they joined the force. Um, try frighten the people in public with their soft selves. <laughs> well... Um, I don't know. I mean, you can be a gym freak and still be quite normal. You know, you can be into fitness and, and not uh, be in that side of things. But I do know that um, it's just like DJs. Like, like, I feel like people know where they can find easy prey. And this is something, an observation, just a personal observation that I've made over the years. Lots of DJs are super creepy. People who are into like photography and they clean their DJ and the entertainment business. They purposely get into those businesses, folks, in order to find easy prey. That's what they do. And in that case, it, it works for them because they're around a lot of women, young girls, young women. And a lot of times alcohol is part of the mixture. And so people tend to put their guard down. We know that there have been men who've been going around spiking women's drinks in bars. Um, and so, you know, for them, that's an easy situation. I, you know, these people just have a problem. And so I have noticed again, certain people in Cayman, oh, I'm in the entertainment business. And so they claim. And the reason why they pick those professions is so that they can have a playground of options of victims, right? And they just run through these poor. And I tell these young girls, listen, be smart, don't trust people. There was a young lady who found herself in a situation, unfortunately, where she was sexually assaulted. And, you know, in her case, because she she believes that she was drugged um, because she had some memory loss from the incident and she woke up in a particular situation that she did not consent to. Um, you know, the police were not able to bring a successful case or prosecution. So this man is still out there walking free. But yet when you talk to other people, everybody is like, hmm. People need to, you need to be careful with him. Like he has a history in the streets of being like just predatory. And at the time of the incident with this young lady, I remember her mom crying and saying, you know, she was blaming herself for this because her daughter was only 16, 17 years old at the time. And this guy was a friend of the family. He had made himself a friend of the mom and was hanging out with them, socializing, going on board tours, drinking, whatever. And his um, thing was, oh, I'll take care of her because she's like a little sister to me. Don't be trusting these people on the streets, folks. You know, a big man in his 30s and 40s wants to be hanging out with a 16-year-old, talking about that's his little sister. Go, get, go find your real sister. So he was grooming the parents even. He was grooming the mom and gaining her trust in this situation and you know, allowing her to put her guard down. She trusted this person with her daughter. So when her daughter was out, and yeah, her daughter at that age really shouldn't have been drinking, to be honest. She was drinking. She was underage. But you know, he's like, oh, I'll take care of her. I'll look out for her. 
And in fact, he was the one who's playing her with alcohol laced with only God knows what. So he could then take advantage of her. Hmm. Uh, Aliano says delusional ego complex. Um, Aquaman is asking about the taxi mafia. What is, what is this now? Uh, KK says, stop leaving under drinks. We're running out to go to the bathroom. Don't make anybody buy you drinks. Yeah, it's so sad that you cannot trust people. And Cayman is certainly no exception to this rule. Um, you know, you've got to have, in my estimation, if you're going to go out, you need to take somebody like me to go out with you. But then I don't really go out because <laughs> I don't drink. I'm a sober person. You know, I can go out and dance and whatever. And I'm the I'm this friend who's looking at everything with a hawk eye. So I'm checking everything out. I'm looking at everybody's drinks. If you move from the bar, I got your drink covered. I'm your designated driver. So you're not going home with any strangers. I'm not going to let some man take you behind the bar and behind the stairs and all this kind of foolishness. No, 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 no. But it's a lot of work being a friend like me. That's why I don't go out anymore. I'm like, y'all, I'm too old for this. Um, so, you know, but you've got to look out for each other and bartenders, I think also need to be on the lookout, although I, I suspect some of them might be part of the problem. But a lot of them know who these guys are and they know their predatory nature and what they do. Remember the young lady who came on our show? Uh, gosh, that must have been at least a year or two ago now. And she was talking about the photographer guy who tried to take her somewhere after work gig early mornings and how she avoided, you know, potentially being assaulted. She felt like something was up. And she messaged her boyfriend, like, this is my location. He took her to the beach without her consent. She said she wanted to go home. She's like, I don't want to go here. Why are you taking me here? And he was very insistent. You guys remember that? Ooh, that was a hot show. We had like 1,200 people watching that live stream. And you know what is so sad? In Cayman, 1,200 people watching it because they know the kind of person he is. They know that this girl's telling the truth. And they've had experiences and so many of these young girls are afraid to come forward and say that they've been sexually assaulted by this same individual. We need to have more education on these topics and we need to have, um, you know, uh, just more, more, more warning for, for young ladies in particular. So KK says, oh, now he can't come on. Yeah, I remember he was like, oh, I'm going to come on the program. I'm going to prove my innocence. I was like, chat, please. People know who you are. Mm -mm -mm. So I think our guests um, might have forgotten all about us, but that's okay. Um, yes, child, somebody's asking, who's that predator? Hmm. Just do a CMR search. And you know what is so interesting is he never, um, <laughs> he never denied anything in the end, right? He claims he was going to come on and tell his story. And all now we not see him come on and tell his story. So since then, he's had a child by a Caymanian, and he's been making her life a living hell. She's reached out to us about wanting to come and expose him on this show. I was like, Lord, have mercy. And I said to her, um, she was telling me the story about this person. I said, who, who is this person? Because he sounds like a real terror. And she said, oh, it's a uh, member, Mario Vibes. Da, 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 da. And I said, what? I said, you had a kid with him? Why? I'm like, what is, wrong, what is wrong with you young people? Oh, Miss Sandy. I said, you don't watch CMR? Well, um, I heard, I heard 
But of course, I, I didn't want to believe it. And he came and told me one thing and lied about his age. And I was like, Lord, have mercy. Y'all need to just uh, trust me when I tell you, parents, you need to teach your kids to be a little bit wiser and try to, you know, listen. You don't have to reinvent the wheel as a young person, right? When someone tells you this dude is, is bad, you don't have to find that out for yourself. So I think he's on to baby number two now um, because that situation isn't working out for him. Although that will now be his anchor baby. So, you know, he's not going nowhere. You guys saw the recent um, case with the Colombian uh, drug runner who has a right to family life, who can remain in the Cayman Islands because once again, a Caymanian married him and had children with him, and now he's not going anywhere. <laughs> Imagine, you've got the constitutional right. In that case, the peculiar thing about it is I understand that the Caymanian wife is not even in Cayman. So I'm like, how does he have a right to family life here and she's not even here? So this was a case that just came down a couple days ago. And a cocaine smuggler Wins immigration appeal. It went up on the website yesterday. So listen to this. Colombian national who was stripped of his PR after being convicted in a cocaine smuggling case in 2019 could have his status reinstated after the Grand Court ruled that the Immigration Appeals Tribunal needs to reconsider the case. So his name is Alan Larems Taylor Dominguez. Right? And he provided evidence in the drug case against customs officer David Lobo. Remember this one? So David Lobo, he was the fella who, or he had some luck because he was accused of being involved in drug uh, running before and managed to get away the first time. So he only has the one conviction, but if you believe the streets, he didn't stop. And so, you know what, you know what Caymanians say, you, you take your bucket to, to the well every single day and one day the bucket, the bucket bottom is gonna fall out. And all that means is your luck runs out. Mm. Mm -mm. So he got 16 years, 33 year old, and he got 16 years a couple of years ago. And uh, this other guy turns state witness and, you know, he is part of the, the drug operation. So, yeah. What happens? They stripped him of his PR. He appeals it to the Immigration Appeals Tribunal. They refuse it. They, they said, nope, we're not going to instate it. So they didn't want to reinstate what's called the RERC, which is Employment and Residency Rights Certificate. That was following the revocation of the certificate by the Cayman Islands um, Status and Permanent Status Board. So this judgment, which came down at April the 29th, Justice Alistair Walters ruled that IAT acted unreasonably as it failed to engage in any meaningful analysis of the difficulties Dominguez's wife and children would have moving to Colombia with him or his family ties in Cayman. Unbelievable. 
So this constitutional right, Section 9 of the Bill of Rights, right to private and family life. Now, I know Denny's listening to the show this morning. I'm sure of that. And he's going, yep, there we go. This Section 9 is used a lot. And this is not the first time that it is used. The first person to actually have won a case like this is, um, you guys remember a little friend there? Poor thing, may he rest in peace. Um, Ellington, the Jamaican fella, he was... Uh, gunned down, I think, just in December in Jamaica after he returned. So um, this guy was the first case, right? quite a, an interesting case where the court found, the grand court found that he was entitled. He's a Jamaican national who resided in the Cayman Islands. And he, again, under Section 9, was entitled to have, you know, his application reconsidered because he was designated as a prohibited immigrant because he got a prison sentence of more than 12 months. So remember he was involved, I think he was the getaway driver in a 2013 robbery, supermarket robbery. Hmm. Pleaded guilty to being an accessory after the fact, served his time, and when he got out, because he was married to a Caymanian and had that RERC, they stripped it from him and it came back, oh no, you can't do that. You have to consider his right to family life. It is a very, very interesting um, legal argument, folks. And once again, what you find happening a lot of times is that the applicants are, um, you know, they have supported spouses. So it's the, the Caymanian spouse, if you will, that is actually supporting the application. So in the case of the Colombian drug runner, in 2019, the board told him that they were going to, they were considering revoking his RERC and they gave him the opportunity to provide, you know, I guess a response to that. So what did I just say about the spouses? So in his case, he offered a letter from his wife, his son's birth certificate, and a visitor's log from Her Majesty's prison, and a letter from his former employee. By the 29th of October, 2019, he was informed that his RERC had been revoked. So he appealed to the Immigration Appeals Tribunal in 2020 on the ground that the board failed to consider his rights, the rights of his son and wife, and the board failed to provide full reasons and how it arrived at its decision. So sometimes these boards are failing, not because of the decision itself, but because of how the decision is actually made. And this is where, again, when you sit on a board, like the Immigration Appeals Tribunal, like the... Um, immigration you know, status uh, boards, you need to be hiring people who know what they're doing. Hmm. Coming back, circling back to this concept of board appointment should not be a fraternity of your personal friends and um, political supporters. Because you're making government lose cases that they really shouldn't lose. So there are instances where people have been stripped of their RERC and it has been fully justified and fully explained, and there's no issue. 
let's take for example um oh gosh what is his name again uh atto atto stevens so that was the track coach who was uh sending underage girls that he was coaching all these inappropriate messages and soliciting sex and photos and stuff from them so after his conviction his wife a Caymanian athlete was initially supportive of him staying here and he was he was he was bold he was writing letters to the athletic association demanding he be reinstated after he came out of jail to their association and yeah, we threw up a little bit of stink about it because we we're like, what? He's ran from the jurisdiction, hid in, in Miami. His wife, Sedani Mothersill, I think she's even still on the Athletic Association Committee or board. She was supporting him. That's how they tracked him down. Going to see him with her children that she had for him. Giving him money to live and all this sort of thing. Wanting him to come back here and live right in Savannah, in your neighborhood. Now, in that case, it was like, wait a second. She has the rights to uh, live in the U.S. I think she has a U.S. passport. He's an American citizen. They can move to Trinidad because I believe he's originally from Trinidad. You know, they have all these rights of abode elsewhere. Now, I don't know in the case of the Colombian, maybe the Caymanian, although I hear she's overseas, she's probably gone to the UK child and that UK passport. Um, if he's forced to return to Colombia because nobody else is going to take him, they're saying, oh, that's going to be a hardship on her. Well, the boards need to show that they have adequately considered all of these elements. So when they deny an application, they need to provide in the denial of the application concrete reasons that demonstrate that they have actually considered all of this. And when you don't, that's when you have the grand court saying, you better consider it again. It's not that you can't deny it. It's that if you deny it, the process by which you deny it, you have to ensure that you are providing all of the details. It, it, it sounds so simple to me, and I don't know what is tripping these boards up except to say that they're putting um, people who are not competent in these positions. And so when they, when they, you know, I, I can almost imagine it now when they're sitting there at a meeting, oh yeah, well, you know, he got convicted, blah, blah, blah. Yes, that's all fine and dandy. But when you deny the application, folks, put the reasons in writing and make sure that you have a solid case. If you need to get, you know, that's what the attorney general's office is for. Have them write it for you. My goodness. Anyway, we'll keep an eye on that case. I'll let you guys know how that happens. Um, Alistair David of HSM Chambers represented Dominguez, which, by the way, they also represented Ellis. So they seem to be the law firm to go to if you want to appeal anything from the immigration tribunal perspective, because um, they, they, they got you. They understand that law. So Fatima, good morning, says, wow, you got an anchor uh, back babies so he can get status um, and he can see that famous judge. Yeah, well, you know, again, I leave it up to up to the Caymanians who are making these poor decisions in relation to uh, people that they're engaging in marriages and relationships with. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. 
good morning, Sandy. Um, I, I I trust you're feeling good this morning, oh, uh, yes. but I thought I should give you a call just before you get off this subject matter because I just want to validate some of what you were saying. Not mm-hmm. that you need validation from me, but just a few things. Thank you. You know, this 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 right to family life thing mm-hmm. uh, has become controversial. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that in my own uh, practice in Cayman, I, I did manage to get certain people, two people I managed to to um, to have them stay on the basis of a right to family life, uh, mm-hmm. but they were not criminals. These are people who, like, uh, born in another country, uh, but they had such a Caymanian connection. Like, the, the child was a, a Caymanian, the, the grandkids were Caymanian. There was so much family connection. And I, I, I was able to go to the immigration board and say, well, on the basis of these rights and so forth, uh, this person really uh, should be able to stay. After all, they were just asking to stay, you know, on a work permit. And they, 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 they were able to stay. So... That right is there, uh, but even in the UK, uh, in the U, uh, in the EU, it is causing a little bit of an issue because they've had these people who have committed serious offences, mm-hmm. and then they rely on the European Convention to say, "Well, we've got a right to family life." And you rightly mentioned the issue about Sidonie's um, uh, case, and I remember at that time I used to go and troll Crosso quite a bit, and we mm-hmm. talked about that, um, and. The, if you look at it, uh, there's one case I want to mention to you. You, you must be aware of it. It was a case of street uh, against the immigration board. Street, like they're walking down the street, mm-hmm. but with an ER at the end. And what happened in that case is that uh, <clears throat> this lady was born in the Cayman, in Cayman mm-hmm. with um, uh, UK parents. <clears throat> she went to the UK. <clears throat> excuse me. Mm-hmm. She met somebody in the UK. They got married. And then they decided to come and live in Cayman. Mm -hmm. As soon as they got to Cayman, the guy got into a problem. He committed some offense, um, theft at work. He was um, convicted. And then they tried to get him to stay. Now, to be Mm. fair, this was before the, 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 the Bill of Rights. This was before 2009. Uh, but they tried to claim even then that, well, look, he is protected by European Convention, right to family life, and so on. And Justice Smelly uh, uh, allowed that person to win the case. But they appealed it to the Court of Appeal. And the Court of Appeal said one, some of the things you just said right now. Said, look, why do they want to be here? This person now is a criminal. Mm-hmm. And both of them can live and work in the UK. Why do they want to come and live here? And the Court of Appeal dismissed the appeal. They said, no, no, the decision of the board to deport these people uh, was right. Uh, They have alternatives anyway, and in any case, they made in England. And that's what happened. And I I don't see how this person who is a cocaine dealer Mm -hmm. can now say that he's got a right to family life. Then who are you going to deport? Most people have got a family connection. It will be practically giving people who have got a... a criminal conviction, a right to stay so long as say that but a right to family life. I don't want to sound unkind, mm-hmm. but these are the things they should think about mm-hmm. before getting involved in such high crime. They should say, if I get caught uh, with a wife and family here, what is going to happen? And if this person succeeds, the problem is that um, I think there will be very few people who you can deport.
Exactly. It will just become a, it, it will become a, 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 a very big problem. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one little thing I was going to say about this. I, I forget. But anyway, mm-hmm. let me say something very quickly on the, the Evans Garcia issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I know you are not on that topic. You see, when you make a mistake, mm-hmm. the best thing they advise you or the public relations people is admit the mistake early. Mm-hmm. and then move on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The excuses that they have been, I know now they've given a little bit of an apology and so on, but yes. it is complete. You see, uh, you pointed out in your article that, and you highlighted that what she said was, oh, when I got there on the border and I presented my paper, my, mm-hmm. my, my passport, I told them I'm coming here to work. They didn't raise an issue. Mm-hmm. Is that the way you as a PhD who is being sent there is that the way you do it? You just go there, you arrive at the border, you tell them the story, and if there is no problem, then there is no problem. Mm-hmm. You are supposed to go there knowing exactly that everything is in order. And in any case, she knew that things were not in order because mm-hmm. she, she had started trying to put them in order. Yes. But they were not, they were not being, being put in order. Mm-hmm. And then she said, well, she's a Cayman born in, uh, in Canada. Well... I don't know if that's accurate legally. You are you are a person of Caymanian parentage who is entitled to to apply for for Caymanian citizenship. Mm. So um, anyway, uh, I thought I should chime in on on, on those issues. Yes. Oh, yeah. The one and, thing. And you know what? I also um, let me just pause you there for a second, caller. And I do know we have some yes. guests waiting that we'll get to in just a second here. But the other thing that I yes. found extremely peculiar about her response is that she yes. says that she started the process in September of 2021 by getting um, yes. naturalized. This is now May of 2022. How long does it take you to get a passport? I mean, well, and you all, all she yes. did was get naturalized and it looks like it stopped. And then, and, But then she says that she wasn't really aware that it was an issue until she returned to Cayman um, at the end of March of this year. And then her chief officer told her, oh, we've got a problem. So it took an entire year for them to figure out that she's not there legally. The, the well, whole yeah, thing and, is, and, is and very bizarre. It, it is bizarre. And you pointed that out in your article. It, it shows they were being like a basical as a politician, as, 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 as a, um, a civil servant. Mm-hmm. They should be positive. They should know what is supposed to be done and not, not talk like that. Oh, just a 30 seconds, Sandra, the, the thing I was going to mention. You know, one of the problems that we have uh, in the Cayman Islands is that there's no training on uh, to civil servants on how to avoid successful judicial review. You pointed mm-hmm. it out there that um, mm-hmm. sometimes, you see, sometimes you pointed it out this morning. You said, look, sometimes you can make a decision, and the decision might be perhaps possible, mm-hmm. but the way you arrive at the decision and the way you explain it, by the yes. time you get to court, then, then you do not succeed. I had offered that I would teach civil servants, members of boards and this and that, a little bit of judicial review to avoid this kind mm-hmm. of situation. And the government, Arden McLaughlin and Samuel Dodgin, said they did not want the people to be trained because they wanted to keep them ignorant. They didn't say they wanted to keep them ignorant, mm-hmm. but I know that's why they blocked all that. But let wow. me leave you to bring your guests in. I appreciate the time. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Thank you so much. Appreciate that call. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. So, uh, yes, folks, he was referring to the um, Natasha Garcia situation. Um, you know, I appreciate her finally sending a response. It was three days later, and she apologized for what she says is an oversight. 
uh, things happen. People make, I don't like the term mistakes because I think if you make a poor decision, you need to own up to it. And that's the only way that you really learn from it. But, you know, people make poor decisions all the time. But the difference is when you're in, you're a high ranking civil servant and you're in the public eye and you have a member of uh, the media contact you for a comment Saturday morning, you don't wait until Tuesday morning to finally send a response. It's like they were waiting to see what was going to happen with the story, how the general public was going to respond. Um, they were trying to see if the diplomatic angle would have, would have flown with people. It was just like, if you're telling the truth, here, here's the beautiful thing about the truth. If you're telling the truth, folks, you don't have to wait to tell the truth. <laughs> you can tell the truth at the earliest opportunity and say, hey, this is what it is. This is what happened. Anyway, we've got a beautiful jazz band here this morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good morning, Sandy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You guys are looking like you're in good form this morning. I can hear you. Yes, yes, yes. Just looking yes. forward to play for Wonderful. you and for everybody. Yes. Absolutely. So, folks, um, we have some guests in the studio this morning who are going to tell us a little bit about an upcoming performance that they have. Um, it's called Jazz Under the Stars, and it's going to be an amazing uh, performance at the National Gallery on Monday, May the 23rd at 7.30 p.m. So this is uh, being presented by Elmsley Memorial United Church. So gentlemen, introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about who you are. Okay, Sandy and everybody, good morning again. Let me introduce you to these wonderful musicians. Here at uh -huh. my right, we have Lisbanis, Cisneros. Uh, my name is Antonio Sanchez. I am the music minister here at MC Memorial United Church. At my mm -hmm. left, here we have Roberto Cortez, uh, friends from Cuba, and also we have Ernesto Raymat over there at the drums. Nice. Beautiful. So um, all of you will be performing at this um, jazz event that's coming up, Jazz Under the Stars. I'm sure you've been practicing a lot, so you're going to give us a little bit of a preview this morning on what we can expect from this amazing event, yes? Of course, yes. The first piece that we are going to be performing this morning is called Autumn Leaves. Beautiful. All right, let's have it. Nothing like some good music, folks. Sit back and relax.
Bravo. Let me let me let me press my applause button. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you so wow, much. that's amazing. Absolutely gorgeous. So how many, tell us a little bit about what we can expect for the actual event. How many songs will there be? Um... Uh, well, yes, we are going to be performing uh, mm -hmm. a big variety of jazz standards. Okay. Um, also, since, since we are from Cuba, you would expect, you know, that, that, that we also play, play some Latin jazz, uh, Cuban ah, music, you know, Caribbean rhythms. And also we have a few guests. We have Dennis Carbo on the saxophone. We have Leslie Duran uh, singing. We have a few others um, uh, players uh, around the island, local musicians. So, so, so it's going to be a, a great night, a fun night. Uh -huh. Yes. Wow. So Meryl says, love this music. Thanks, Antonio and group. Uh, Roy is dancing. Everybody, I think, was getting up in their feet and doing a little jiggle and a dance. Fatima yeah. says New Orleans in the olden days is what that was reminding her of. Uh, Melicia was also uh, putting on her dancing shoes for a second there. So will you do one more for us before you guys leave? Yes, no problem. Well, we, here we have Miss Evelyn uh, Rocket. She will be also, you know, giving a few information about the, about the event and about okay. the concert. Yes. Good morning, everyone. Just to Good let morning. you know that you can purchase your tickets from Alex Variety Store, Godfrey's, L&T Tires, and Divers World. And if you can't make it to those locations, feel free to call 916-5754 or 926-1826, and we will deliver tickets for you. So mm -hmm. um, please, if you're up and you're dancing, you're enjoying this music, that was just a preview of what is to come on the 23rd. It's going to be a fantastic show. And this is all in celebration Beautiful. of Emsley Memorial United Church 100th anniversary. Our building, our wow. sanctuary is 100 years old this year. And that mm -hmm. is a milestone that we want to celebrate with everyone here in the Cayman Islands. So we're asking people to come out and support this very, very worthy fundraiser. And our next event after that is going to be on the 28th of um, May, which is going to be our anniversary run walk. And all you need to do is to go to our website and um, also on our Facebook page, and you can get uh -huh. information. We'll continuously update that, so information will be there. And at the end of our segment, we would like to give away two tickets. So I would advise your viewers to start Googling Emsley United Church to find mm. out a bit more about it so that they can win these two tickets. Beautiful. All right. Sounds good, folks. So get your Google fingers ready. You have an opportunity to uh, win some tickets to the performance. And um, I think we'll hear another song now.
Wow, fantastic. Let's do another applause. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. Thank you, so thank, thank, you, thank you, so thank you. So um, we're going to go, go, go ahead and proceed with the trivia questions. We've got uh, Mr. Ray, Roy, who's joining us from Delray Beach, Florida, and he's enjoying it. Amelia says, wonderful music. Wanda says, great musical performance. So is everybody ready to make some guesses? folks at um, the trivia question. Okay, and here it is. Amsley Memorial United Church roof is designed to represent what? Mm, so Emsley Memorial's church roof is designed to represent what? Even I know that one without Googling it. <laughs> so folks, call us 936-2626 or if you're live and social and you want to garner a guest, go ahead, put in your, your answers. And this is for two tickets, correct? And that is for two tickets. Mm. So you can take a friend, and take your waiting, wife. And I'd just like to say a big thank you to the Credit Union and Hopscart Studio for being our two main sponsors. Also to Godfrey's, um, Webster's, JBS Designs, mm -hmm. sorry, Properties, for being a sponsor of this event. We do thank you very much. And Polar Bear, without them, it, this would not have been possible. And this year is gonna be just a year of celebrating the building and the ministries that are housed in that um, sanctuary. So you just mm -hmm. want everyone to come out and um, for those people who like to plan way in advance, could you please put September the 11th, which is our reunion Sunday, and we'd love to have all of the people, especially those who used to come to Emsley many years ago, but might have changed church for any reason. We want to mm -hmm. welcome you back and just have a great reunion time. It's going to be mm -hmm. a really wonderful time. And with Antonio as our music director, I am more than sure that will be very uplifting for you. And also, right. yes. after the run, we're going to have these gentlemen playing a short concert. Okay. So we have Jerry, who's giving a guest. Jerry uh, Ebanks says, ship hull. And he is correct. Jerry is a she. So congratulations, Jerry. Pilar Bush came in at a close second and said the Cayman schooner. Um, Tracy said the roof represents a boat turn, a boat hull turned upside down. So Jerry came in first. So Jerry, congratulations, my dear. You are the winner. I have two tickets. Um, send us a WhatsApp and message. Sandy, you can give her my contact details and she can contact me and we'll make sure she gets her two tickets. Wonderful. So Jerry, just uh, send me a WhatsApp message and we'll get you all sorted out. So again, folks, this is an amazing event that is scheduled. I'm just going to show you guys the flyer quickly in case and we'll post this up um, a bit later on as well. So if you're interested in this event, mark your calendars, get your tickets early because it is sure to be uh, a sold out event at the National Gallery of the Cayman Islands, Monday, the 23rd of May at 7.30 p.m. Tickets are only $25 and they're available at a number of different venues, um, including Diver Supply, Godfrey's Enterprise, um, I can't quite make out, Alex Variety Store and L&T Tires. And of course, you can also call for delivery of your tickets, as uh, Ms. Evelyn mentioned. Emsley Memorial United Church, folks, is celebrating 100 years. What an amazing 
milestone in their history and by extension, the history of the Cayman Islands. And one day, um, Evelyn, we'll have to have you on to talk a little bit more about that history, which I know is, uh, you know, you and I um, have, you know, our uncle is um, Raymond Barnes. I didn't know until at his funeral that he was the first bell. Is it bell toller? Is that what they call it? He was the first um, person, I think, ringing the bell in the church, the first kid that they gave that responsibility to many, many years ago. So there's so much amazing history, folks, uh, right there at Emsley Memorial Church. So thank you guys so much for your performances this morning. I would just like to leave you with a little something. Yes. All right. We hope to see you all on the 23rd. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Have a beautiful day. All right, folks. So we got a caller joining the program and we want to thank um, those uh, performers there. What an absolutely lovely performance. Uh, good morning, caller, and welcome to the Cold Hard Truth. Morning, Miss Sandra. You're on the show? Yes, I'm live now. This That's is where you called. Yes. This is Miss Jean. Yes, Miss Jean. I um I I did want to speak to you. Um the, the lady I told you about. Mm -hmm. I did want to see her first. Mm -hmm. Then I get to you on the show. Okay. But you do realize you're live on the show now. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So I wanna get back with her first and then get back to you on the show. But okay. not today. I, I want to speak with her in person first and then, you know. Yes. So if she's not yep. available, though, what, what's going to happen? We make some arrangement, a, a next arrangement to go on the show. Uh -huh. Then we can speak. Yes, All right, Miss Jean. Oh, we'll okay, look forward to thank it. you. Okay, dear. Yes, ma'am. All righty. Okay, bye-bye.
So Miss Jean Ebanks is the lady who um, has been living on public beach at Governor's Beach. And there's been a lot of questions and, and commentary around that situation. And she wants to come on the program and she says, set the record straight. But for some reason, um, she needs a lady that she doesn't know uh, to contact her first to talk to her. And so I'm not really sure uh, what that's about, but um, I don't think that that lady really wants to get involved because that lady doesn't know her is the problem. So I don't know, Miss Jean, people, the people only want the truth. And like I was saying earlier in relation to um, the chief officer and just generally speaking, you know, the truth is really easy, folks. It stands on its own legs. You don't need to crutch it up on anything when you're speaking the truth. You don't have to overthink it. It is what it is. You know, so many times, um, I'll share a quick story, and then I know we have MP Minister um, Sabrina Turner waiting to join the show, but you guys know I've had a couple um, cases, right, <laughs> with the court, not a couple, like a lot. And I, I always say, um, you know, there have been times that I've been sitting in a police interview and they'll ask me a question. And, you know, if an incident happened years ago and you can't remember, you say, well, you know, I can't really remember that. Um, but I'll remember on more than one occasion, and I'm thinking of one in particular with this nation building fund. The police officer said to me at the time, he said, oh, um, well, Miss Sandra, you know, you issued a certificate to this particular individual. And I thought about it for a second. I said, no, that can't be right because... That individual was not approved um, to be one of the recipients of government sponsorship. And I remember specifically that there were three individuals. You see, there's certain things that stand out in your mind for different reasons, right? So there were three individuals who were not approved because they were senior civil servants and government said, no, we think that they can pay for it themselves, right? One person named Don, one person named Mel, one person named Gary. And... Um, the police are now sitting there asking me, saying to me that, oh, I gave Gary a completion certificate. And I said, that would be impossible. And I said, listen, I've explained to you already that the certificates just said as an administrative, you know, when you're busy, sometimes you do certain things in bulk. The certificates were prepared in advance for everyone who took the course. A certificate would have never been prepared for Gary because he did not take the course. Government didn't sponsor him. And by extension, he didn't pay for it himself. So now that you're saying to me that I gave him a certificate or his name was on that certificate list or batch or whatever, that can't be right. And so I looked at the detective and I said, show me the certificate that you claim that I gave him. Oh, well, Miss Sandy, uh, Miss Sandra, you know, um, oh, we have so many documents here. I, I don't know where to find it right now. I got three bundles. I said, oh, so this means that you're lying, right? Because you might have three bundles, but I'm sure you've called me in for a police interview. You have to have your stuff together. You must have your notes. And, you know, and sure enough, he was lying. There was no certificate for Gary. Police trying to trip you up by lying to you and hoping that you can agree and say something in a statement that never even happened. But the truth was there. And then he said, he said something to me. And I said, sir, with all due respect, you know, the, the civil servants, again, when we talk about civil servants, incompetence. I end up in court for criminal charges because of civil servant incompetence. And when I tell you that that's the God's honest truth, that's exactly what it was. So I'm like, listen, the, the, the members of, of um, at the time, Mr. Mr. Bush's um, office, this is Premier Bush, came to me. They're part of this nation building committee, right? Miss Judy, Powery and others. 
high glorified secretaries, clerical workers, right? And their level of competence sometimes was shocking. And I must tell you, working with them, it was challenging on the best of days. So they would come ask me for something, you'd provide it. And two months later, they ask you for the same thing again. I'm like, really? Do you know that, that business people are busy, especially when you're a small business owner? So they asked me for the certificates. And I said to them, how can you ask me for certificates for a course that isn't even completed yet? But, you know, I do prepare the certificates in advance. Do you want those? Like, what are you asking me for here? Or do you just want to wait until, you know, no response from them. Then they come back months later asking for the same thing again. That time I was so fed up with them. I didn't even respond to the email. I just took a copy of the whole batch of certificates, dropped it off at government building. Then they build a criminal case, folks. Listen to how incompetent government is, right? And the difficulty that businesses can have dealing with government at times. They build a criminal case around that saying that, oh, I gave them certificates for people who never completed the course. So I'm trying to defraud government. Well, praise the Lord and hallelujah. And thank you for emails. Because I'm sitting there in this police interview and I, I tell the truth. And then afterwards, my lawyer, Ben Toner, says, um, uh, Sandy, you know, we got to get ready for court because these people are really gunning for you. You know, it, it was so sad. Tara Rivers, the education minister, gave her um, counselor, who was uh, Mr. Winston Conley at the time, instructions to make sure you guys prosecute Sandra. I'm like, really? Of all the people who may have abused the nation building fund, it's me that you come after. And by the way, the only one they've ever come after. You make that sink in for a minute. So we start to get ready for a case. I'm going through all my emails with these incompetent people who were working in the premier's office at the time. And lo and behold, what do I find, my people? I find the smoking gun. An email where I said exactly what I said. And I, I totally did not even remember that this was written anywhere. But I find the email where I said exactly what I said in the police interview that I told them that, you know, that certificates were prepared in advance, blah, blah, blah. Listen, these donkeys over at the DPP's office, and that's what I'm going to call them in this moment, were given that by my lawyer. And he said, are you sure you want to proceed with this pro prosecution? Oh, yes. They got a good case. Of course, they're going to proceed. <laughs> when the judge sees that email before, we don't even put on a defense. They put on their case. And at the no case submission stage, my lawyer says, but hold on a second. So, you know, people get on the stand. Mr. Winston Conley gets on the stand. My lawyer says, oh, Mr. Conley, you're supposed to be an attorney with X number of years experience. Do you know how to define fraud? He struggled. And, you know, you have these questions about this transaction, this commercial transaction. There's a contract in place that government claimed they could not even find the contract that I signed. Ms. Judy took the stand in the civil case and claimed that I never came to government building and signed this contract. This, when we talk about civil servants incompetence, I have experienced it. I've experienced the lies, the incompetence. She sat there and said in a trial, this is recorded. I could go and pull the transcripts. She said, there's no way that I could have come and signed this. I only knew that I came that day and signed it because number one, it was in my calendar and I still had the date and whatever. She said it was impossible. I could not because she sits at her desk 24 seven when she's at work and she knows everybody that comes in to see Mr. Bush. And it was like, 
really? So you don't get up to go to the bathroom. You don't go to a coffee break. You don't take lunch. She said, nope, she's always there. So when we went to uh, security at the government building and got the security log that showed that I checked in at 10 something in the morning and I was there to see Mr. Bush about the signing of this contract and I had other people in attendance with me, they didn't go into the room for that part because they were there for something else. When that was put to her on a stand, what did she say? Oh, well, um, okay, well, if it says she was there, I guess she was there. Really? Somebody's reputation. So that could have been something that could have sent me to jail, folks, if I didn't have the wherewithal to say to my lawyer, hmm, nobody gets into government building without signing that security log. If, uh, pull that log for evidence. Right? They couldn't find the contract. I mean, it's just, listen, civil servants and competence cost this country money. It destroys people's lives. It destroys people's reputations. And so, you know, when people sit back and think, oh, this is nothing, this is no major thing with, with Dr. Garcia, this is but one example. I know Mr. France is trying his best to talk about this world-class civil service, but you have got to admit that some of your civil servants fail on a regular basis. They make the political arm of government bad. They look bad. They make themselves look bad. And by extension, they make us all look bad. So when the judge sees this email, he said, are you kidding me? We can only... We don't, we can't go behind her brain, right? We know in this moment in time, she expressed this to you all. That shows her intent in real time, congruent with what was happening. After the fact, you're going to come back and try to create a narrative that she was trying to defraud you. How can someone be trying to defraud you when they told you the truth at the time? Caller, good morning. Hello? I'm just getting a little bit passionate this morning because when I think about civil service and competence and how it's impacted even me, I'm just like, what? Talk to me. Hello? Yes, sir. Hi, uh, Sandy. It's Johan Moxham. How's it going? Mm-hmm. I'm good. How are you? Um, I'm all right. Uh, just really catching up. But I, I just wanted to make a, a wider point. It's obvious that there's a sliding scale of accountability um, within the civil service. Some people um, can commit or be as incompetent as and consistently incompetent and unprofessional, mm -hmm. and they seem to have the protection from their bosses and from on high. Um, when we talk about accountability, um, obviously it depends on who you are, um, the position you hold, and how friendly you are with um, certain people. Um, that's probably part and parcel of how the world operates, but it's clear on the evidence that we see um, that is definitely what happens within the civil service. Uh, if you are a rank and file civil servant, if you have been fired or um, reprimanded by your bosses or the boss of the civil service, how would you feel knowing that um, there is a different standard for different people when the goal should be uh, consistency, um, equality, and, 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 and fairness to all. Mm -hmm. um, that, that, that obviously doesn't happen. But I'm going to make a, a wider point. I pay attention to this matter, and I think we all do, because 
uh, let's just use you and I as an example. Sandy, if you are appointed to any boards on any level and you did anything that was untoward, let's say it was a genuine mistake um, or some sort of, of, of oversight on your part, mm-hmm. I can probably bet my left hand you would not be given the, oh, well, you know, it's our first mistake. You know, these things happen. Nothing to see here, folks. Move along. Mm-hmm. I, I'm willing to bet that that wouldn't be the case. Mm-hmm. I can speak as a public official. I've been fortunate enough to be, be appointed to two boards, right? Mm-hmm. And I can say this without a shadow of a doubt. If I, Renard Johan Moxham, ever do anything untowards or if there is any sort of fiasco and um, um, potentially or perceived sort of conflict or oversight, it will not go the way of, oh, well, Johan, we understand. These things happen. (laughs) Nothing to see here, folks, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. I say that and I use myself as an example because the only thing that I think we should be striving for is one standard of transparency, one standard of accountability that is consistently applied to all. Whether it's a big mistake or a small mistake, there should be some degree of um, consistency in the application of discipline, in the application of, of, of you know whether you catch a break or somebody defends you. What we cannot have as a country, especially at the highest positions in government, and that would be the elected government and the non-elected government in the civil service, we cannot afford to have a system whereby Sandra is protected, but Johan is condemned. And you can use anybody's name, or Jennifer is protected mm-hmm. and Thomas is not. That is not how the system is supposed to work. Mm. But the vexing thing is, and I've said this publicly and I'll say it again, they spend energy focusing on leaks. Mm -hmm. They spend energy on making excuses. But everybody in the civil service, the top of the top, know that there is a different system for different people. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. There are people that use their office to politically try to um, prosecute or apply pressure to individuals, Sandra, you are public enemy number one, okay? Because you get information and you put it out there, and if they could find a way to shut you down, they would, but they fear you, okay? So they try to play nice with you and, 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 and go from there. Do you get it right all the time? No, nobody's perfect, but all I'm saying is, why is it you're the Antichrist and other sort of media outlets get a pass and they're seen to be like the darlings or, 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 and friends of the elected and non-elected government. All I'm saying is they're not fooling anybody. The top tier and leadership of the civil service is not fooling a soul. We know who consistently shows up in embarrassing situations where there's a track record and a history of incompetence, where things always seem to go wrong on their watch. We can't pretend that that isn't happening. But what we can insist upon, and again, accidents happen, mistakes get made. But if it's the same person involved in these major mistakes that cost the country money, time, and embarrass um, us all, 
if Sandra worked there or if Johan worked there, they'd give us our walking papers and go, this is just not working out. You got to go. So again, the question is, what makes one civil servant mm. more important than the next? Is this person um, holding secrets for the individual? Is this person favored because they're potentially um, seen as the next sort of leadership or in line or whatever? I'm just using that as an example. But all I'm saying is they got to stop insulting people because if you were wrong, Sandra, they would sue you. If you didn't have credible sources, they would sue you. But they kind of know that the game is up and they know full well that their leaks come from their own people. It happened during the CPR stuff. It happens all the time. There's nothing in that building that is a secret. There's nothing in the civil service that's a secret. There's nothing in elected government that's a secret. There's nothing in the Cayman Islands that is kept or remains a secret. So when they spend their energy on, you know, leaks and everything else, it's comical. The leak mm. comes from your own people. Mm-hmm. All that. I'm telling you as somebody who has received information from the inside, okay, it mm-hmm. comes from their own people. So, Mr. Governor, Mr. DG, stop making excuses for the inconsistent application of accountability and just focus in on maintaining one standard for every civil servant from the very top to middle management to the rank and file. Then that's all the country wants because we want the laws to apply to all of us and the rules apply to all of us equally. Look at what you went through. You gave an example of what you went through with your thing. Sandra, that's because you make or break political careers. Now, do you piss me well, off? This, yeah. this, was, this was before I was doing doing CMR, doing any, any of this stuff. But, you know, to your point, I think that anytime you question um, the system too much, you do become, because even in that trial, as Mr. Winston was sitting there and my attorney was cross-examining him and asking him, how did this become a criminal trial even? Did you contact her? Did you ask any question? It was obvious. And he threw, he threw Tara Bush, Tara Rivers under the bus. He said, I was following orders from from the Minister of Education, Tara Rivers, and she said to get her. And, you know, I've since had high ranking political folks said, oh, at the time in the world of politics, it was this whole, um, oh, we finally we finally got her because the dog case wasn't enough. That was a complete fiasco and, and, you know, handled so poorly and she never actually stole the dog. But this time we've got her. And it turns out that they were just a bunch of fumbling idiots. And the judge instructed a jury to throw the case out. Sandra, there are people that are targeted in the hopes that they do something wrong. I know that you're one of them. You know that I'm one of them. Because at the end of the day, anybody that questions the system, sees it for what it is, and is not prepared to play ball with the level of corruption, um, nepotism, and the sort of double standards that exist, Mm. we are the problem, okay? I don't have a problem doing that, but I do it because if I am on a board and I know that I'm held to a standard, everybody should be held to that same standard. Mm -hmm. I'm not special. I'm not special. My mother might think I'm special, but I know that I'm not special. Mm -hmm. So therefore, therefore, that's all we can ask of the leadership, the elected leadership, the leadership in the civil service. Be reasonable, be fair, and stop being fake. Stop pretending and making poor excuses that embarrass you. People see through it. Mm -hmm. All we want is to be able to trust and believe that the system works. And when they do the foolishness that they do, and they offer unbridled protection to their sacred cows and their favorite people 
That is wrong because nobody is more important than the system. Mm -hmm. Nobody in the civil service is more important than the integrity of the civil service. And when you start compromising that by offering protection, no matter what, to certain individuals, Mm -hmm. how do you think that makes the rest of your team feel? It's like if you own a business, all employees have to be treated equal if you're expecting for the team to work. Because the minute I don't treat Sandra the same that I treat Jane, Sandra's going to, her productivity is going to drop and she's going to go, it don't matter. So Mm -hmm. uh, Jane's going to get everything anyway. And then it all falls apart. So if there's one thing that we or you and the media should be demanding is, no matter what it is, let's be accountable, let's be fair, and let's be consistent. Because Sandra, you've reached a stage now in your popularity where your phones are being monitored, your interaction with people is happening. Um, I'm seen as a political agitator or political operative or whatever the word is. And I know that the same sort of foolishness goes on. And I'm thinking to myself, how do you have time and energy and resources to worry about who Sandra and Johan speak to? They're real people. <laughs> I know they, they really must really be, they must really be bored. But to your point, yesterday I had a, a lawyer say to me, um, every time I call you, I hear this clicking, this like double clicking when your phone is answered. And I said, well, you know, people have said to me that they, um, they are pretty sure that my phone is, is being tapped and being monitored. And I said, whoever has time for that must be so bored because they ain't hearing nothing. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, what on earth? Listen, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'll say this. If I or you or anybody else that is subject to this sort of activity um, is ever, so let me speak for myself. If they're spending that energy on you and me, they really don't have real jobs and something to do. But I promise you, if they get it wrong, I'm going to be Stuart Carnahan Rich, where that man got paid millions and millions and millions of dollars <laughs> because the system messed with the wrong guy. And if that's what they want to do, that's going to keep happening over and over. Stop making excuses. Stop chasing ghosts and boogeymen. The system is broken. The system does not work. And we see that when the rules are not consistently applied across the board. And that's what we should all demand as citizens and taxpayers. If we go somewhere, that's what we expect. We should expect nothing less from our government at home here in the Cayman Islands. So keep up the good work. Keep driving them Thank crazy. Thank you, my dear. Um, and we go from there. And when I, whenever you call me, I hear the clicking as well. So please um, uh, get Marlon to look into that since he's like a spy. <laughs> okay, my dear. Right. Thank you so Take much. Care. Well, all I can tell them is they got time, honey, Jill, because I'm really not saying much of interest on the phone. Um, but I do, listen, when y'all be calling me with your tips, y'all know how to reach me. Use Signal as a secure means of communicating if it's really that hot of a situation. Um, WhatsApp uses the same type of encryption. Now, poor poor Sabrina, she'll never get on the show because guess who's calling next? It's Denny. <laughs> Denny, good morning. Woo! Do you hear double-clicking when you call me? Didn't know not to fool with me anymore. <laughs> morning, Denny. Morning. Um, <clears throat> I, all of what, a lot of what um, Johan was just talking about is depicted on a, the legislation.gov website mm-hmm. in picture form. Mm-hmm. And there's a little red image right in the middle and the, and the wording on it says rule of law. Mm. Right? Because mm-hmm. what we're talking about here is are some people above the law or not? Mm-hmm. That's that's the that's the issue, and and 
I read what um, what uh, Garcia said about her situation. Mm-hmm. And one thing really stands out to me is she says that as a Caymanian, I was born in Canada. Mm-hmm. That Does that ring right to you? Because it doesn't ring right to me. Mm-hmm. You, you're not, like, is she born in Canada? Mm-hmm. She's not a Caymanian. So you're not born in Canada as a Caymanian. Mm-hmm. You might be born with the right to be granted Cayman status. Uh, Caymanian status. Yeah. But you're not born a Caymanian mm-hmm. in Canada. Mm-hmm. And here, here's the problem I have with it. Either she doesn't understand that or she's still hedging. Mm-hmm. Okay. But when I look at the timeline of what she said that things play out, Mm-hmm. It suggests to me that she had questions in her mind about whether when she showed up at the border that what would happen. And she was trying a thing to see if it would fly. Mm-hmm. That's what it suggests to me. The reason that I find this, this problematic is because this is going to have a dramatic impact on all of us. Mm-hmm. You see what's happening in BBI? Mm-hmm. You know why it's happening in BBI? Mm-hmm. Okay, this this here could cause us to be looking at the same situation if we keep this kind of foolishness up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let, let, since we're talking about passports, do you know why the UK is now making the passports instead of the Cayman Islands passport office doing it? Mm-hmm. Tell us. It it has to do with the integrity of information, mm-hmm. okay? And so what we have to understand, appreciate is that the people who are listening to your show and saying, oh, this is just a little mistake. No, 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 no. This is much bigger than just a little mistake, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And the consequences can be much bigger as well. Mm-hmm. Because, because it's clear to me that she should have known that she needed to have this information in this, all of this stuff in place. Mm-hmm. And if she didn't know, then it means we're appointing people who are incompetent. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if little old me can understand how this works, why not her who should have training? Right. Mm. Yes, Um, it it does. It does raise a question of training, I must say. And, um, you know, I understand that before she was moved over to cabinet office that the previous ministry had training, you know, set up and in place and none of that was communicated over to cabinet office when she moved over. And so as a result, um, she probably didn't get the training. I mean, I don't know how she was onboarded. Like none of those questions, you know, have really been answered. But I think I think it, it leaves a lot to be desired in terms of information. And um, as you well know, because you and I spoke over the weekend about this situation, you know, I was giving them every opportunity to just tell me what happened. And it, it was, 
it was like pulling teeth. I wasn't getting, you know, I'm, oh, she's a diplomat. She's this. It's like all these potential excuses, which in the end, it seems like none of them turned out to, to, you know, make any sense. So, um, on the, on the training point, right. right, There should be a requirement in law that they very explicitly, and it shouldn't be optional. Uh It shouldn't be left up to chance. There should be a well-structured program in place where people who are in positions of authority, uh, where they have responsibility for making decisions, right? Uh They must receive some sort of administrative law training. Mm-hmm. Not, not 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 just superficial. It needs to be quite substantial mm-hmm. because they're making decisions. Like like the you gave of how they tried to prosecute you over those certificates. Mm-hmm. If you just had a little bit of training in administrative law, and you had a respect for the law, mm. you would say, "Well," or even if you just told the truth. Because yeah, Denny, I, I, in that instance, I know. I know. that was She's just about telling the truth. The minister was a lawyer. Well, listen, politically, they had an agenda without a doubt. But I'm talking about the civil servants. If Miss Judy, when she spoke to Winston, had said, oh, yeah, well, Sandy had actually sent us an email fully explaining what this was. We ignored that email and that was sent to a group of individuals, not just one person. Surely Winston and and even Tara would have been like, well, this doesn't make any sense. We're not going to run to the police and try to elevate this to the level of a criminal complaint because you're going to lose. And and yet they did that. And when the DPP's office, this is to demonstrate their prejudiceness and their failings, when they were presented before the trial began with the evidence to show this is what happened. They still chose to ignore it because the bigger overarching agenda was we need to make an example of someone who has embarrassed us, who's spoken at once too many times about the police being incompetent, about the DPP's office being incompetent. We're going to show her how incompetent we are by finally winning a case. And of course they didn't, (laughs) you know, so it's just, you know, I realized that I went off on a little bit of a tangent this morning in that, that particular example, but that just came to my mind again demonstrating the level because the DPP's office, they're civil servants as well. Their level of incompetence that's cost this that's country. Just, that's just one example. Yes. Your kind of your connection is kind of breaking up there, Denny. I'm not sure. Um, um huh. I you're, you you're a little bit anymore. <laughs> you're a little <laughs> bit better now, but um yeah, you were getting okay. all gargled. Um it's it's a part what your case is a perfect example of the, the, the importance of people in key positions understanding administrative law. Because if they did understand it, it's totally illogical to pursue you in the way that they did. Mm-hmm. And, and which causes me to make a, ask another question. Mm. Where in law does it say that what they should be pursuing is justice and not some political agenda Mm. and what's the prohibition against it what's the sanction for doing it what would be the penalty for the civil servant 
if they go down such an illogical road. Mm-hmm. Well, um, the over there's there's actually a case that, um, and funny enough, they have it on the DPP's website where it says the duty of prosecuting counsel is not to obtain convictions at all costs, but to act as a minister of justice. And this is a case that dates back to, I want to say probably the 1800s, right? It's a really, really old um, English law case, uh, Ruddock. Um, it was a crown versus, I think it was Puddock. And, um, you know, that that is the overarching remit that they have, but they do not, in a lot of cases, follow that remit. No, 1865 no, 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 no. case. Okay, that was that was not the, the, the point of what I was saying. That is part of it, but that's not the point. The point is, now that you know that that's the case, right? Mm-hmm. What is the penalty? Oh, well, there's, there's no penalty. You get promoted. Well, actually, there is a penalty. It's in the penal code. If you willfully disobey the law, it is fraud, and you can be prosecuted for it. In the real world, I'm saying nothing. No, no, no. I understand. I understand. But the the purpose of having this discussion is to align practice with policy. Because Mm -hmm. what often happens in Cayman is they write rules to say, here's what should be done. And Mm -hmm. then they pursue a a practice that is contrary to that. Mm -hmm. Right? And and the, the two needs to be the same. Otherwise, what we will... B is a lawless Cayman Islands. And if you think that the UK can't have direct rule in Cayman, you're delusional. Hmm. All right. And if you keep up corruption, you keep up those things, you will find the UK saying, well, we clearly have a breakdown and we need to do something. Mm -hmm. Leave it there for me, Danny. Take care. Thank you. All right, folks, my apologies to Minister um, Sabrina Turner. Um, I know she has another engagement. Do you want to come on, Sabrina? Just say hi to everyone quickly. Um, We, of course, have essentially run out of time. Um, For the benefit of our listeners, by the way, starting next week, we're going to extend the show um, to 10 o'clock in the mornings where we can. Some days, depending on if something's happening in court, we might have to play with the time a little bit. But we have realized that going to 930 just isn't enough time. And the conversation sometimes is just getting good right around now. And we have to continue like right now. Uh, We have to end with our radio audience. So if you're listening to radio, thank you guys so much for tuning in. But don't worry, by next week, we're going to get it sorted out where we can go a little bit longer with you guys. But radio folks, Bobo 89.1 FM, have a pleasant day. Hang tight, Sabrina, for one quick second. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings.
All right, folks, um, welcome back. Don't worry, Sabrina, we still got 236 people here with us. So my apologies. Um, you know how it goes. You've had a radio show before. Uh, the conversation gets going and it takes on a life of its own. But thank you so much for waiting patiently. And I, I know you've got some meetings and business to attend to this morning, but uh, maybe just a quick hello to everyone and we'll have you back on to get into all the details of what you've been up to. Sure. Uh, thank you, Sandra. And thank you for your now your viewing audience. Congratulations again on expanding and getting your your message out through your through your medium. But yes, thank you for for giving me this opportunity. And it was more giving an update of all the things uh, that have happened is happening in the prospect constituency. And um, um, I will wait for your your cue to state when I could actually have a a, a a few minutes just to keep the constituents up to date with with what's going on but to reach reach them through your medium because mm -hmm. i think it's very important but there's some good news uh there are road works that are going on we're, we're tackling and i know summer is coming up and we have a lot of anxious parents wanting to find out what they're doing with their kids so to not let too much out of the bag just so we can have it more structured and not rushed understanding of of my commitment um but you're the conversations this morning and the information that was shared was so interesting that um, I'm quite sure we will both be forgiven uh, if you allow me to come back on in another morning to go in more detail and update your listenership, your followers with everything that's going on within the Prospect Electoral District. Yes, absolutely. Um, we will, I'll, I'll check with you in terms of your schedule yes. and when you can come back on, but um, I appreciate uh, your patience this morning. And again, my apologies sure. that it kind of ran over. No, that, that's that's totally fine. And I will definitely carve out a time um, for you because it's important for me to keep, as I promised the people, engaged and up to speed with everything that's happening. Okay, very good. All right, folks, that's MP Sabrina Turner um, for Prospect. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Take care. All right, good, folks. So, yes, uh, let's read some of your comments. Um, good morning, George. He was enjoying the music earlier on, and so was Soka. She says, pretty impressive. Um uh, Anna says prosecutors in the Cayman Islands are a joke, too much corruption and shit being swept under the rug. Well, a lot of it is, is a lot of incompetence. And, and, and sometimes it does become very, very obvious uh, when there is an agenda, right? So even, even with the one conviction they finally got, I mean, when, when I sat there and I listened to the prosecution of that case, I thought this woman, this prosecutor, Ms. Darlene Oku, was taking it to a level that I was like, did I do her something? Did I kill her little pussycat or something? Because she seems really, really like it, it was, she was coming to court trying to make move. Oh, your honor, she's talking about this on the radio this morning and put her in jail. And the judge was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This was a judge alone trial. And he was like, I don't care what she said about me this morning, allegedly, because she wasn't cross-checking any of that. She was going after what the complainant told her was happening on the radio. And then she'd run into court. You need to withdraw her bail conditions. She's talking about this case. I was like, what? I'm sitting there looking. Oh, and, and early on, I knew, those of you who were very close to me, knew that I knew that they were going to get a, a successful conviction. Because my poor lawyer, he was drowning in that case. I just picked the, the wrong lawyer. His incompetence was astonishing. But man, I tell you, it is just, until you have experienced it for yourself, it's almost difficult to explain the level of incompetence. 
So Aliano says, world-class civil service, my ass. I'm dealing with some clown at the courthouse right now for a little pay for my jury duty. Sort them out, Sandy. It's unfortunate because there are civil servants who are competent and hardworking and they do more than their fair share of the work. But the ones that don't make everybody look bad. So somebody made an observation this morning about the Tasha Garcia situation. They said, um, you know, um, oh, they said the visual of you bopping to the music makes me happy, strange. Um, have a good day. And they said, by the way, Chris Dugan uh, is still under Eric Bush's ministry. Has that matter been sorted? Well, no, nobody not saying nothing about that one. But it would be interesting to hear how he was in the U.S. without the proper work documents either. Marshall says some of the shenanigans that's going on with the government civil service is now looking like the ish that's going on in the BVI. Well, as Denny rightfully pointed out, this is why when we look at the BVI situation, we have to understand the real implications of incompetence, nepotism, um, the works, because it can have a major fallout and major repercussions for all of us. Nobody wants direct rule by the British. Not, what? That's not the solution. But when it's broken that badly, the UK is going to say, well, that's our only option. So it's a cautionary tale what's happening in BVI. They're continuing to protest, by the way. They sent me some information this morning. Magdalene says CCTV overseas offices. Here's another story, right? Y'all hear this now. This one might have been too hot for radio, so you get a little extra sus by being an online viewer, right? So there's a story that is in circulation of two prisoners, two prison um, officers, not prisoners, thank God, um, engaging in sexual intercourse. Hear this story now in the communications room at the prison. Hmm? I have names. I have that the body cam caught them in the act. The woman's married to, she Jamaican lady, married to a Caymanian fella. He's an ex-officer himself. The guy is from another island, Grenada or somewhere about, married to somebody else. And they're carrying on sexual relations at work. And allegedly the body cam at work caught the evidence. You ask the prison director, oh, it's an unsubstantiated rumor. Let me say this. When you got a rumor that is naming names and they need to, the body cam footage caught it and what she was doing to him, unsubstantiated, y'all, but it pulled some footage from that um, supposed communications room and check her body cam footage to see what was actually going on. I did not even know that prison guards had body cams. So when I asked that question, they said, yes, the staff that work on the cell blocks. So how this story can have so much details in it and it's unsubstantiated. Maybe y'all need to do a proper investigation. Now the director's on leave because he's got COVID. So he's at home resting up this week. But these are the things when you talk about stuff getting swept under the rug, it's being swept under the rug all the time. You have no idea. This is why I thought it was so interesting. Last week, um, Friday, when Minister Brian called in and said, oh, about journalism and, you know, journalism ethics and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, if you print a story and don't have all the facts, 
Sometimes you got to print a story because you're trying to fish out the truth because these people refuse to tell the truth. Unless I have the footage, they're going to tell me it never happened. Meanwhile, I know it happened. Also, there's a lot of bad actors around Cayman. They fool who they can, that's for sure. You know, listen, the stuff that we are told and we're lied to about on a regular basis would blow your mind. The only difference between the PAC government and the progressives government in terms of my relationship with them is I've said, listen, y'all know what kind of person I am. I'm going to be a straight shooter. And you know that when I come to you asking you questions, chances are I already know probably about 90% of the story. I'm either trying to get the details, I'm trying to see what you know, and you know. So if I ask you a question and I don't get an answer, we got a problem, Houston. Or if you try to lie to me, we got a bigger problem. It's really important to just speak the truth. And the premier and I have an agreement. He has said to me, Sandy, I will never lie to you if I can't tell you something, because sometimes it's high level, it's confidential, whatever. And if I can't tell you, I'm just going to say, you know, I can't tell you or whatever. Sometimes he doesn't directly say he can't tell me. There have been times I've asked him something directly and he'll say, mm, um, how, how late are you going to be up for? And I'm like, well, what the, what the hell does that have to do with the, the price of rice in China? But I've figured out that that's just his way of saying, oh, a press release is coming. <laughs> Uh, I can't say anything to you right now, but a press release is coming and you'll get some of the answers probably that you're looking for. But the previous government, oh, they were lying. They were hiding stuff during the pandemic. They're upset because, oh, we leaked out what the regulations were going to be before they announced it in their press release and oh, hide this information. You can't, like, like, like Johan said, you cannot hide anything in this country, not for long. You can hide it for a little bit. Omeria is talking about the serious accident in um, South Sound. Thank you so much. We were sent some photos of that. And we did post it up, actually, um, on our social media as well. I think the ambulance had to be called. And, um, again, it's a little bit rainy out there. I see some weather in the sky today. This is what it was. Folks, you just got to slow down. There's a baby seat there. My God, I hope a baby wasn't in that. But I do understand that they needed to get some help to have people taken out of the vehicle. So someone said to me um, that there's an accident at the corner of Walker's Road and South Town Road holding up the traffic, police and ambulance on the scene. Traffic is moving very slowly. When I crossed, um, what I saw, it wasn't, you know, it looked pretty bad. Just hope the person's okay because there are five people trying to get them out. Oh my gosh. Wow. Folks, please be careful on the roadways. Mm -mm -mm. At Innovative Building Products, we provide professional builders and homeowners with the highest quality materials from top brands worldwide. Tiling tools, waterproofing systems, fin sets, self-levelers, grout, along with porcelain floor and wall tiles. Our products are 100% guaranteed, promise 100% satisfaction, and beat competitor pricing. Pallets of materials are ready to go. Quick and easy convenience to get you in and out within five minutes.
Oh my gosh. So they had to cut one person out and yes, a baby was involved. <gasps> what? I hope they're okay. My goodness. Mm -mm -mm. So Marshall, some of the shenanigans. Uh, oh yes, read that one already. Thank you, Al. We read yours. Carol says she overstayed in the UK and a visitor stamp, which is what she would have got in her Canadian passport upon entry. This may impact her ability to be granted a British passport at all. I'm sure the governor is probably going to smooth that out for her. But it really, you know, trying to downplay it. Um, you know, and I've seen the comment, oh, I'm a seventh generation Caymanian. Nobody is arguing about you being a Caymanian. That's not the argument here. Everybody knows that Tasha and her sisters, they're Caymanians. That's not the point, right? Nobody's questioning. This isn't a situation where we in the Cayman Islands are concerned about your status here. This is a situation where you're in the UK, as Carol said, on a visitor's entry and working, that amounts to working illegally whether you intended to do so or not. And this idea that, oh, I just told the immigration officer uh, upon entry that, oh, I was going to be working, and since they didn't flag it as an area of concern, that I'm fine. You are a high-ranking civil servant. You should know better. And using that as an explanation, like, oh, well, the little minimum wage person working at entry never thought anything about it. So I guess that's fine. Maybe they didn't even understand what the hell you said. You know, they heard you say, rah, 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 rah. and they're like, okay, ma'am, I'm going through. I'm barely making minimum wage here. I hardly care. That doesn't make it right. That doesn't excuse it. That person, you know, what? Jess says that what I don't understand is how her husband and children are able to stay in the UK uh, when it when she's here because her immigration status they would have to claim their rights off her. Well, I'm guessing they're all there as visitors. I mean, I don't know. Did they get passports and she didn't? Now, that would be really awkward and weird. So Marshall says the sad part is that no matter how many civil servants mess up, no heads roll, they keep their cushy jobs, like nothing ever happened. And this is the point that Johan is making. And, and you know, not that we're going around saying, oh, France, let's just start firing civil servants because, you know, that's what we want. The, um, the biggest employer of commandants to just randomly fire people. But there is a sense, as Johan said, that no one is ever held accountable time and time again. So, I mean, you know, the question is there. Nobody wants accountability and transparency. This is what another viewer says, consistently applied in the system because that's how you get things done. Big business owns certain key players. Dean says, maybe we're better off with direct rule. Oh, Dean, no, let's not go down that rabbit hole. Jared says, Sandy, you're putting the complaints commissioner to shame. Well, I, I don't know what kind of complaints they get. They only can investigate what they get, I guess. Although I think they have remit to do a wider investigation if they wanted to. So Marshall says that poor prison director needs to go. He never knows anything when it's under his nose. Well, he's acting. And only God knows when they plan to fill that position permanently. Recruitment does not fall under Bernie Bush. And his ministry. 
Denny says disobedience of lawful duty, 121, a person who willfully disobeys any law by doing any act which such law forbids or by omitting to do any act which such law requires to be done and which concerns the public or any part of the public commits an offense and unless the law provides some other penalty is liable to imprisonment for two years. But you see those two words, willfully disobeys. That's where they're always going to say, well, it wasn't a willful disobedience. It was, it was an oversight. That's the word that they use when they don't want it to be a willful disobedience. It was just an oversight. It was an accident. It was a mistake. I didn't mean to do it. I didn't really think about it. That's incompetence. So you don't get penalized for incompetence. Hmm. Interesting. Folks, today is Wednesday and it is um, Impact Wednesday as well as this evening. It is Premier Access, so make sure you tune in at 7 p.m. Spread the word. The Coltar Truth now has your Premier Access with Premier Panton. Hello everyone, this is Wayne Panton. Come and join me on Cayman Mar Road's Premier Access every other Wednesday at 7 p.m. for a frank and open Q&A session. I'm here to answer your questions about the issues that concern you the most. Tune in to YouTube and Facebook Live on Wednesday. We will see you there. Full transparency, answering your questions. Down to earth, accountable and accessible to who matters. You, don't miss Premier Access on the cold hard truth. Spilling the tea like no one else. All right, folks, so that's tonight at 7 o'clock. It'll be 7 until 8, so make sure that you tune into that. Mark your calendars from now. Um, folks, that's it. Um, our guest sent her apologies, saying that she um, unfortunately completely forgot the appointment. Not a problem. We'll reschedule and get her back on. By the way, CUC update. Most people should now have been restored in terms of power. There was a line down on Northwest Point Road, and crews were dispatched um, shortly after 8 o'clock. Most of the restoration work has already been completed and some customers might remain without power, but um, you guys are being sorted out. So big, big shout out there to um, CUC. Let me just check the outage map again to see how many people have now been successfully restored um, for power. Let's see. So they're down to 690 customers still without power. So remember we started off at 1906 or 1907. Now it's down to 690. So they're working on it, folks. Um, they're well aware of the issue and they should be sorting you guys out hopefully as soon as possible. Here's a final thought for today's program, folks. This is all about the truth. Somebody shared this with me. The truth is like a lion. You don't have to defend it. Let it loose and it will defend itself. Uh, very, very, very appropriate quote this morning. Folks, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the program. As always, tomorrow is Thursday. We do have a guest who's coming on tomorrow's program who's going to be talking about inflation and that interest rate that keeps creeping up. We need to understand why the U.S. is doing it because, of course, them doing that definitely impacts us. 
So I want you guys to make sure that you tune in for that educational segment. They're coming on at 7.45 until 8.15 and uh, have your questions ready. They've got a short time with us, but they are an expert in the economy. So let's just speak with them tomorrow morning and then we'll do some open mic. We'll see if maybe we can get Sabrina back on tomorrow if she's free. Until then, folks, have a beautiful day. The Cold Hard Truth is Cayman's number one talk show since it debuted in March 2020. According to independent research, we are the most listened to talk show in 2021, and most people prefer us to any other options on island. We tackle tough issues some days, and other times have fun and lighthearted discussions. But most importantly, the cold hard truth is here for you. Thank you for your support as we continue to be the voice of the people in 2022 and beyond. Los saluda DJ Yoyo, The Energy, y estás escuchando The Cold Heart Truth con la voz del pueblo, Sandra Hill, todas las mañanas, 7:30 AM, only on Bobo, en 9.1 FM. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. 